0: You are listening to the Heartland Author Podcast. I am Aaron Apollo Camp. For this month's final episode, I had the opportunity to interview author Tanya Duncan-Ellis. Tanya is the author of the Sophie Washington series of illustrated children's books, and her picture book about the Juneteenth federal holiday, which is June 19th of every year here in the United States, is scheduled to be released next year. I'm here with Tanya Duncan-Ellis, who is a uh, children's book author. She's the author of the Sophie Washington series, and uh, she also has a book about the Juneteenth holiday here in the United States, which is June 19th of every year, coming out next year. Tanya, welcome to the Heartland Author Podcast. Thank you for having me, Erin. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Well, I'm a Houston-based children's author, and I uh, I wrote a middle-grade series, as you mentioned, called the Sophie Washington series that stars an 11-year-old girl and her diverse group of friends. And in each of the books, Sophie and friends learn different lessons about being good friends, standing up to bullies. They uh, run their own business. They travel in different areas of texas because i call my books a love letter to texas because all but one take place in texas so they show different things about the life in my community for example we have alligators in my suburban neighborhood in houston wild boar they go to the texas hill country they go to the rodeo nasa so it showcases unique things in this part of the country while the children are learning different lessons um, in solving problems that teens face. So there are 13 books in the series. And I also, as you mentioned, have a picture book coming out that will be published through Harper Collins's Balzer and Bray imprint called They Built Me for Freedom that tells the story of Emancipation Park, the, first, the site of the first Juneteenth celebration. And it's a location here in Houston. So I'm so excited about that. That's my first big book deal. Scholastic had bought rights to one of the books in the Sophie Washington series, Sophie Washington code one in 2021, but this will be my first big traditionally published book deal when they built me for freedom comes
0: out next spring. Now I've never had a guest, uh, do this before, but, uh, you answered the first three questions I had written down when I asked the first one. <laughs>
1: I do a lot of talking, don't I?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, the the fourth question I have on this list I've written down is, the Sophie Washington series was self-published, but you've announced a deal with HarperCollins for your uh, book about Juneteenth next year. And uh, is that correct? yes. Now, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make going from self-publishing uh, books that you've written to having one of your books traditionally published?
1: The biggest adjustment for me is the the longer time frames for different things to get completed because I wrote They Built Me for Freedom. It's 2023 now. I think I wrote it in 2020. And so... Um, it's just coming out and i contracted with HarperCollins in 2021 so it takes for picture books a couple of years for the books to come out once the contracts are signed and work is done i had the book written and i worked with an editor to make a few updates in addition to the book and then they had to secure my illustrator so that took a while and it took her maybe a year to get her piece done and i still haven't seen all the final color images so for me coming from the traditional publishing space where I had control of everything and I set all my time frames, it's been an adjustment you know being patient with the process
0: yeah and one reason I I could never go the traditional publishing route is because I'm not really that good at time management myself, Uh, and uh, uh, going the self-publishing route for a a ton of books I'm currently writing, uh, that uh, is basically a time management exercise for me, among, among many other things.
1: Yes, it's kind of like a, a project management. You're managing a large-scale project when you're self-publishing a book, dealing with all the different elements.
0: Now, I do have a, a question that I didn't write down. This is about the the Juneteenth uh, book. Uh, is My picture book, is that animated or photographs? So that would be... Um,
1: animated so the illustrator is making cartoon type images
0: that she it's she drew okay yeah because uh uh some of our listeners when they think picture book they might think it's a uh might think it's a book of, of photographs which some are but some picture books are animated right and it's like
1: the tradi- the uh typical story book you'd read to your child with the um drawn in illustrations so that's what it would be like if you
0: think of a picture book for children Okay, what is some of the best advice regarding book marketing that applies to both self-published and traditionally published authors that's a good question
1: I'd say um, you need to build your brand and that would be to um, get your communication set up with your readers, even prior to your books being published. And you can start with social media marketing. I know a lot of people don't like that, but that's a good way just to introduce yourself. Um, You could show images of your research process, your writing process, things you're doing so that you can have an audience ready to buy your book when it comes out. Also setting up your website and email list are things that I would recommend for authors um, to prepare to market their book, whether they're traditionally published or self-published.
0: Now, uh, how important do you believe that uh, ethnic diversity in uh, children's literature as a whole is?
1: I think it's very important. There's um, a famed um, psychologist named Rudine Sims Bishop who says that books should be mirrors windows and sliding glass doors meaning that um, they will serve as mirrors for the reader where they can see themselves in the books they read making them more relatable to them their windows because they show different worlds to readers opening up um, what different lifestyles are like for all readers and sliding glass doors because they allow us to enter into different worlds And with all the challenges we face as a society, I think it's important for us to have understanding for all different types of groups, people with disabilities, whether it's racial, ethnic, all across the lines, just for harmony in our society. And studies show that when people read, they become more empathetic toward others. It opens their minds, makes them more creative. So it's um, having the diversity in literature is so important.
0: And uh, uh, I've got another question kind of along these same lines. Uh, Here in the United States, there's been a number of right-wing political groups that have tried to, and in some parts of this country, have seceded in banning books that are written by and or feature people of color and or people in the LGBTQI+ community from school and public libraries. How harmful are these book banning efforts spearheaded by right-wing groups like, uh, for example, Moms for Liberty to America's youth?
1: Um, I think that, and I live in Texas where a lot of this is going on. I actually, a few weeks ago, was um, participating in a protest where, um, teachers were protesting libraries being closed at some Houston area schools. But um, it's very harmful to children because as I mentioned before, studies show that when children find books relatable, it encourages reading. And what happens when kids don't relate to subject matters or they don't see themselves in books, it can um, discourage reading. and They've actually shown that academic performance of children rises when they find the books to be more relatable. And then when we look at a lot of the um, just uh, discontent and different riots and all these kind of problems we've had as a society, I personally feel a lot of them come because people don't understand each other and they don't know history, they don't know, They just they don't have understanding of different groups and that's when the fear comes in and a lot of these conflicts happen. So um, it's important that we have diverse books for those reasons. Also, other studies show that it helps children work through problems. Um, It helps them say they feel different. They don't feel accepted in society. They actually work through some of these issues by reading books. And then a lot of the books that are banned, in particular those that relate to um, people of color, are actually affirming books. When I've looked at some of the list of books that they've tried to ban or banned in the past, they've been about um, when it pertains to African-Americans, I'm an African-American woman. They're about historical figures who had achievements. So I'm wondering why are these books being uh, taken from our children? You know, it doesn't make much sense to me to take a book that highlights an achievement of a minority person from schools. So I really, it's, um, it's very troubling that this is happening. Actually, in the past, you'd see one or two books per year being banned. Now we're seeing one or two per day or up to three to four per day last year when they had some stats that were out. So it's kind of a, a concentrated political effort to remove these books from schools and and make this inaccessible to our youth and, and our
0: society. Uh, and I will also add that uh, uh, a saying that I have is, uh, or I have that on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I lost it. Momentarily, but if there isn't at least one book on a library shelf that offends me, I'm not in a library.
1: Right, it's yeah, that's really uh profound. Yeah, it's something to think about because what, is, what are they trying to do?
0: You know, what is the agenda with this? Now, I have a, a couple more questions. Uh, What authors influenced you to become an author yourself? And what was it like for Dr. Maya Angelou to come to the college you attended to speak?
1: Okay, well, that's um, a couple of questions. Some of the authors who influenced me when I was growing up, I wrote realistic fiction. Or I write realistic fiction. So um, Judy Blume was a big influence. Um, I loved all of her books. Mildred D. Taylor, who wrote *Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry, was an influence growing up. And I read books that uh, starred young girls going through different problems. And that's what I write today. So that was really, that's interesting to me. I didn't read, I read some fantasy books, but not many. And they all kind of scared me. I don't like a lot of um, fantasy and adventure. And then when I was in college, Maya Angelou came to speak to our school and I was selected as a group of, there were about four students who picked her up from the airport. So it was an amazing experience. We picked her up from the airport and took her to her hotel. And during that time, she talked about, um, she loved to, it seemed like she was a person who loved to encourage young people. So she encouraged us to follow our dreams. And at that time, I was interested in writing even then. And I was asking her about how long it took her to write her book, uh, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. And so she was telling me it took about a year. And that was the first time I felt like I might be able to write a book one day because I had thought along the lines of getting into journalism, which I did do for a while after college. But it was a wonderful experience. And at that time, Maya Angelou, I didn't know as much about her as we know now. Um, I had read, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. So now looking back, I'm like, I was in the presence of this great woman, you know. But then I was just asking her questions about writing and different things like that. So it was a, a great memory.
0: Now, one final question I have Now, uh, you were uh, in the Houston, Texas area during Hurricane Harvey. Is that correct? Yes, correct. And I understand that, uh, uh, first off, how did you survive uh, Hurricane Harvey? And then uh, I understand that you knitted uh, blankets for uh, people who were affected by the storm?
1: Yes. Well, when Hurricane Harvey hit, uh, my family left the area so we our subdivision was evacuated and it was really a harrowing time because I remember it had been a sunny beautiful day before and we thought we were going to hunker down and just stay at home we'd heard the predictions you know people were leaving the area and I went to the grocery I had a grocery cart full of food and my husband called me and said we've got to get out of here. And so, uh, and it was even in the grocery store, it was pandemonium. It was kind of probably like it was during the, when the pandemic hit, but that was the first time I'd experienced anything like that. And we actually had police with machine guns in the grocery store and everybody was buying all the food up. So I had to leave a full cart of food, went with him and we left and we drove to San Antonio because we could not um, find a place to stay. All the hotels were full, everything was full. And then when we came back, we actually stayed in my husband's office because, and we slept in there, which I have, I wrote a book called um, Sophie Washington Hurricane and it kind of, it has the family staying in the father's dentist office, father in the books a dentist. So it was a very uh, interesting time to say the least. And for a few months after that, whenever it would rain, I would have PTSD symptoms. I would feel really stressed. And even going into the grocery store, I felt very anxious after my experience being in there with policemen with machine guns or rifles in there. But anyway, um, afterward, many children in my kids' schools were flooded out of their homes. So I was part of a group that I knit. I learned to knit in seventh grade in school. I can just make a simple square, (laughs) but um, I had been in that group and we made blankets for people in the hospital or our students who may have had some kind of health challenge at the school or a family member pass away. So we decided to make the blankets for hurricane um, people who had been impacted by the hurricane. So it was really a wonderful experience. And actually one of the women who, who I donated a blanket to came up to me at a school event crying, telling me that her family would cuddle up under the blanket I made. They had to stay in the upstairs part of their house because the, bottom, the downstairs was flooded completely. So they were up there for a few months while it was being repaired. And she said that just made them feel that people cared for them. So, so that was a really nice experience.
0: Well, Tanya, you were a very wonderful guest for this podcast, and I thank you for appearing on the Heartland Author Podcast.
1: Well, I appreciate you for having me on, and I'm grateful for this opportunity to talk about my books.
0: I wish Tanya success with her picture book that is slated to be released next year. I already have a ton of guests scheduled for interviews throughout September so there will be no shortage of authors and writers appearing on this podcast next month. This is Aaron Apollo Camp reminding y'all to write your imagination. Bye for now! You can learn more about me and my book writing projects at camparonapollo.witsite.com forward slash author AAC. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Author AAC and on Instagram at AACScribe. Copyright 2023, Aaron Apollo Camp, All Rights Reserved. This podcast episode is intended for the private listening of our audience. Any reuse or retransmission of this podcast episode without the express written consent of the podcast host is prohibited except under fair use guidelines. Royalty-free music and sound effects obtained from HTTPS colon, forward slash forward slash www.zapsplat.com.